everyone. My name is John. I'm the youth pastor here, if you haven't figured that out yet, um, just because it's my second time speaking up here. Um, all that together, last week, if you weren't here, Joel talked about the point of saying God is for you. And from last week's topic and verses, we still are left with the question, what can separate us from God's love? And so really, given the question of who, the circumstance, and the physical, can any of these things actually separate us? So looking at Romans 8, 36 to 39, it says, just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. For we considered as sheep to the slaughter. But in all things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor other created things will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that's a lot. A lot of things to say, a lot of things to go through. And so the prior context of chapter 8, is where, as we're closing this today, Paul discusses the idea of living in the Spirit, looking to the future of the promise that God gives us, and now ends with the reality of God's love. And so Paul answers this question that's brought forth in verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us? If we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? See, looking to the world around us in our own lives, there are many joyous things that happen. But at the same time, there's also many things that are quite difficult in our lives as well. Some chalk it up to fate, others karma, and some just say it's just the way it is and that's the, that's the only way it'll ever be. But no matter how you look at it, we've all lived in some way, shape, or form in our lives where you think it's going to turn out one way, but it doesn't turn out how you expect. Maybe one thing led to another, and now you're in a situation where you're suffering the consequences of your decisions. Maybe you're just doing everything you can, trying as hard as you can, and nothing ever seems to go your way. Maybe it's the... Life that you're living is the results of choices other people have made for you that are making it difficult for you. But looking to the world around us, we also see difficulties in war and famine, and it just doesn't seem like there's a way out. And so in all of these things, we can begin to find doubt as a result. It causes our, 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 our mentality to go down. We start to believe the lies that we're convincing ourselves that are being brought to us, not from God, but from the devil. And as we're being fed these lives, as these lies, we, we know we deserve his love, but we begin to question. And it can get to a point where we don't feel like we deserve God's love because of what we've done, who we are, or the circumstances we're in. And even though we know he gives love, we aren't willing to trust him with everything. Now, if you know anything about me, I like cars. They're nice. They're fun. And coming into this job, fantastic. I love it. You guys are all amazing. But with that, I had to find a car two weeks after coming back from Africa. That was very stressful for me. 
And in that, you know, looking on Kijiji, because I, I, I'm not going to lie, I was a broke college student, and still, not that, not, not that I have much money anyways, but it's fine. Um, so we find this car. Um, it's really, really nice. Checks off all the boxes. I'm absolutely excited, pumped to drive this thing. So we, so we go, it's all the way in Beaumont. So we come all the way to Beaumont, driving it around. How's like, I feel like I'm in the Batmobile. There's like so many buttons, I don't know what to do with it. And so we're driving it. I decided, I'm like, okay, hey, I'm going to buy this car. It was like, I think priced it 2500 I'm like, okay, hey, sweet. I'm going to buy it. Like, we checked everything. Seems like there was nothing really that wrong with the vehicle. And so as we're talking with this guy, he's like, ah, you guys seem like, seem like nice dudes. So I was there with my dad. It's like, I'll put it down to like 2000 for you. I was like, are, are, you, are you sure you want to lose $500? He's like, yeah, it's fine. I was like, thank the Lord. I was blessed. But in that, of course, as you know, when you buy cars not from the lot, there's normally more problems than not. And aside from getting inspected, driving it for a while, I ended up taking it to the shop. So one thing gets, gets fixed, and then there's another. And so the car that I have, it's not exactly easy to find parts. It's expensive, and it's really hard to find. So my car has been actually sitting in a shop for about a month and a half now. And I've been just traipsing around in my parents' car, which is great. We have an extra one. But, man, it is, I'm ready to drive it, but it's also stressing me out at the same time. The thing is, the real question I have in this whole situation is not whether I'm going to get my car back, because I will. The question is how much it's going to cost. But the question is, do I actually trust God? Because if I don't, I'm pretty sure I'm going to lose my mind. Like, it's not always on the daily, but pretty often than not, I'm like sitting in this car that's pretty rusted, and I'm like, this is like embarrassing to drive. I think I want my car back. But... I decide to trust God with it and knowing he has a greater plan in mind. And so the reality of being a Christian isn't easy. Christ never calls us to just live an easy life, to never do anything with it. Many of us see the effects of this in our relationships with people and conversations as we go to work, school, family and friends, whatever that looks like. But all the while, we still continue to pursue in love and action from Christ. But still the question remains, the good and the bad, how can there be both? And this isn't just a question for me, for you, but it's for all people alike. And so Paul brings up Psalms 44, 22 as an answer to this question at the very beginning that, we're, that we went through today. So it says, but for your sake, we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. Doesn't sound too pretty to me. But essentially, this is making the point that God had previously shown favor to the Israelites. And then all of a sudden, just like that, it feels like he turned his back on them. And so Paul's making the point. He's like, Christians today are not the only ones who are, who are dealing with strife and difficulty. In fact, this happened before Christ even came. And so the integral part of this is three words, for your sake. It might not seem like a lot of words, but it means absolutely everything. Because for his sake, these things happen, but for his sake, we believe and continue. Paul makes the point that the difficulties as the world turns away, even though we suffer, 
These aren't so much pains as they are battle scars for the war that we know the end to. And though we are reminded of both the past and the present, Paul answers the question of separation directly. He says, no, absolutely not. There's nothing that could ever separate us. Through God sending his son to die on the cross and to be resurrected again, covered our sins so that we now sit in a right place before God. It's nothing that you could do, nothing that I could do. We could never do anything in our means and capacity to ever justify ourselves before God. And so Paul believes this so much that he says, I am convinced. Not just, you know, I guess, sure, why not? This is absolute truth to Paul, and it's absolute truth for me and you today. But how can he truly be convinced? Well, the first point in peace is we can't let the pain and the suffering and the reality of what we live in forget the reality of what God has done for us. John 16, 33 says, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus himself making that statement. And in verse 37, the NIV says we are more than conquerors. It's not that we win. It's not that we completely win. That's part of it, but that's not the whole thing. We know how it ends. We know how it ends. Sure, the battle is great, glorious, whatever it looks like, but we know the end and what's going to happen. So Paul and I and us are able to be confident in our faith because we have Christ It's not the point of winning, but being secure and knowing the ending. We know where we stand. And though this might be a head knowledge, I know this, you know this, we're conquerors in Christ. But it doesn't always seem that way in reality. And so even though our faith is a stronghold in which we grasp these things, it's natural to feel tension, to feel trials, to feel anxiety in this opposition. And so for myself, when I was a teenager at one point, um, I, you know, had certain opinions about different things. You know, teenagers don't always like to listen to their parents and whatnot. So for me, I don't know how it happened, but I got in an argument with my dad about history because obviously I'm a huge history buff. Um, and in that, we decided, like, I, I, I don't know how it came up, but we were just, like, talking about, okay, who succeeded um, Queen Mary of, of Scott. So like Bloody Mary, if you've ever heard that terminology. And so we're arguing and arguing. I'm like, nah, it's got to be Queen Victoria. That's the right one, right? It's got to be. There's no way. I'm absolutely right. And me and my dad go back and forth. He's like, it's Queen Elizabeth. So I'm like, I'm just going to put it to bed, go to bed, whatever. Wake up the next day, look it up online. I'm like, come downstairs really slowly. I'm like, hey, dad. He's like, yeah. So uh, remember what we talked about? He's like, yeah. Um, I looked it up, I was wrong, and you were right. So it's a little bit of a humbling moment, but all that to say is to say it and to hear it from Paul, from the Bible, is one thing, but if you don't live it out and you don't have the confidence that that brings in the continuing presence and plan of God, it doesn't really come up as well as you would like it to. And so despite our fear and anxiety, we need to rest in what we know. That God is for us. And so Paul brings up a multitude of different different fears and different struggles and different powers in the world today that we still currently deal with. And he has absolute conviction 
in the truth that is Christ. And so we're going to walk through some of these difficulties that he, that he mentions that affects us today and how, to, how we can be confident in it. So starting from the beginning, two polar opposites in the world and two great questions. What's the meaning of life and what happens after death? See, some of it comes to the conclusion it was created by an accident and all you can do is live your best life after that, that's it. Some people don't even be bothered to think about what happens afterwards at all. They just live their life and hopefully it turns out okay. Others look to other religions, other beliefs, other means of making an answer to the end. But God created life for each and every one of us. Some of us might be perfectionists, feeling like we need to get to a certain point, a certain, certain state, in order for us to even approach the idea of God. Others of us might not feel like we're worthy enough, whether that be the things that we've done or things that have happened. And others of us might just feel like there's not enough time to actually even give God a chance because I have way too much to do. But no matter the actions that you take, no matter the pains, no matter the amount of mistakes, it doesn't separate us from his love. And some of us fear death. Death separates us from everything we could ever know into something we don't understand and we don't know what's going to happen for us who don't believe. But John eleven twenty five to 26 says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. So our belief in Christ allows us to know that no one can make an accusation against what we believe. Because nothing here on earth affects eternity. Anything that they would say to make us question the love of God, we know the truth. And so the short term ultimately matters, but it doesn't make a point to making us question where we're going to be for the rest of eternity. And so both life and death are seemingly far from each other, but God is weaved throughout it all. Through life as you live it and through death as it happens. God is equally near to all of it, and God's love shows through all of it. And so no matter what you've done in life or death, we are given eternal sacrificial love. Not for anything that we could do, but for everything that God could do. So we know the glory that awaits. We live in confidence in his love. We know the end of the story, and we sit securely in his glory. So there's not only the, the, the representation of the definite, but there's also the question of spiritual realities of today. So the question I ask myself is like, why would Paul use angels? He says angels, nor angels nor principalities. Principalities being demons. But in that regard, why would Paul use angels? These are, these are things that are supposed to be working for God's will. But Galatians 1.8 tells us, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even angels from heaven, who preaches a different kind of good news other than the one preached to you. 
So we can not only be deceived by those who we know would be against us, but it's also possible to be deceived by the ones whom we trust. So there's not only a point of understanding the spiritual ruling, but it's further the question of whether you know who God is and you're able to discern that. So there's not only the bad, but there's seemingly the good that possibly could veer us in the wrong direction. 1 Peter 3.22 tells us, Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God. And all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. So there's not only a need to know, but there's also a need to discern in the day today and the things that are in front of you. But the good thing to know is that Christ ultimately is the authority over all of this. There's protection in Christ because we know that he wins. But it's not only a place of knowing and being oblivious, but it's a place of discerning where he is. And so Christ in his power does not allow us, once again, to let anything separate us from him because his power overcomes all else. And so amidst the question of the forever beyond and beyond the seeing eye, we once again come to the question of our minds. Is, where is the truth of Christ in the past, present, and the future? And the NLT says it best, neither our fears for today nor worries about tomorrow. And the fears of, of the future, of tomorrow, and the reality of today, we can get caught in the middle of it. You keep working and needing to get things done and wondering what's going to happen next. When's my next quota? I have to do this by today. When's the next time I have to see family and friends? Because i got to fit that somewhere in there. If I don't finish what happens today, I'm not going to finish what happens tomorrow. If I don't finish what happens tomorrow, I'm not going to finish what happens for the next month. It goes on and on and on and on. And next thing you know, you're so caught up in it that you miss the picture. And so for me, as a kid, one thing that I, I, I always freaked me out, as it does maybe, maybe for some kids, but it was always the rapture. I was like, what if I'm going to miss it? I believed in Jesus, but I'm like, what if I'm going to miss it? Every time. So one night, I came home from school. I was beat. I just went to bed and uh, woke up from my nap. And I like walk around the house expecting people to be there. And I'm like looking around the corner. I'm like, hello? Is anyone home? Not a sound. And like, this was like a, a winter day, but then it was like kind of like hazy and like yellowish through the sun. So I'm like, I, that's, that's, that's the Lord's glory shining through the clouds. I missed it. I'm like, I'm freaking out. And like half an hour later, as I'm like calming myself down, I'm like, okay, we're going to give yourself, give yourself an hour. Give yourself an hour. Just relax. Maybe, maybe it's okay. Maybe. And then an hour later, they walk through the door and they went shopping, and I didn't know about it. So I, other than feeling a little bit dumb, um, it was also the point of like your, my fears and my anxiety all rolled up into one that I missed the point. The point of knowing the end of the story. And so Philippians 4, 6 to 7, as we, most of us know, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. 
His peace will guard your heart and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So in the power of the mind and the reality of today, we place ourselves in a means of doubt and worry, yet even in that, nothing can separate us from his love. And still amidst all of that, in your personal life and the future, Christ remains our foundation. And as we experience all these things, there may be questions of fear and doubt. However, Christ comes alongside and gives us peace. He overcomes the mind. He overcomes the questions of the future. And he brings a calming to the soul. But even in all the powers that ever could be, Paul still continues, nor height, nor depths. Even the powers of natural disasters eating away at the reality of God, nothing can separate us. And so even beyond anything that we know, nothing can separate us. Because we're held securely in his hand because of his love. Not that he shares the characteristic of it. 1 John 4.16 says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And so the perceived pain and persecution and things that are happening, happening all around the world, instead of us running away, it actually makes us become more secure in what we know and who he is. So God's love acts as our motive to continue on. Yet still, in the point, there's beyond what we could ever know, both in the positive and the negative. And Paul knows this. But he makes the point that nothing could ever separate, which is astronomical to me. Because sometimes we make the, 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 the thought we can go, we, we know like the idea of like what heaven is, or we know the idea of, of, of what it means to be without God. But it's beyond our own comprehension. We may have a bit of an idea, but it's nowhere close. And so even though it's beyond our knowledge, nothing both in heavens, in the heavens and under the heavens can separate us. Colossians 1.16 says, For though, or for through him, God created everything in the heaven, heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen worlds. Everything was created through him and for him. So in the power of his love, we know the victory and recognize that we'll win even in the midst of the battle because his love overcomes all. So how is my story going to end with my car? I don't know. How is my story going to end as a whole? I don't know. How's your, how is yours going to end as you live your life? We don't know the exact answer to those things. But the thing is, in regards to life, we don't know. But Paul makes this point clear. 
his confidence doesn't come from hearsay, from what he hears me saying on stage, or from some, someone else. It only comes from the knowledge and belief in who God is through Christ. And so no matter the things that oppose us, whether that be the physical, the mental, the spiritual, we know who wins. So through Christ, no matter the things that oppose us or stand up against us, we're given the ability to know that we are more than conquerors. And we are held securely in the power of his love against all the powers that be, all the worries and all the earthly and spiritual matters. Nothing can pull us away. And so whether you're questioning everything or you already know, or everything's piling on top of you and you can't get out, or nothing seems to go your way, God is there for you. And so today, if you are hearing that and you want to know what this looks like, this is Jesus coming down to earth by the Father. Living a life that me and you would, experiencing everything, but sacrificing even more. He died for not only the sins of people past, but for you, for me, and the people of tomorrow. To allow us to come to a place of a relationship with God. And so it not only just affects us, but it transforms our whole reality. So today, if you want to accept Jesus into your heart today, there's going to be a QR code on the screen. And if you would just say this prayer with me. Dear God, I know the things that I've done. And I know the wrongs that I've made. I know the fears that I have and I know the worries that are overwhelming. But Jesus, I would ask that you would forgive me and come into my life, come into my heart. That I would now have a new life with you. And so if you prayed that prayer today, it's not just me being excited here on stage that you're doing it. It is abundantly this whole congregation and even more the heavens resound. And so as we end today... I just want to end with this one closing statement. In his victory, we are held securely by his love. In his victory, we are held securely by his love. So would you just pray with me together and let's continue. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for today that we have had the opportunity to hear your word, hear your love, hear what you have to say. I just pray that you would just allow our hearts and our minds to just focus on that point that nothing can separate us from you, that we are held securely in your hand. I just thank you so much for that, God. And I just pray as we go into this next days, next week, next months, God, would we just remain confident in that reality no matter what stands up against us, God, that you remain true in character and in who you are. 
in your name. Amen.